On today's episode, join Matt Steele and I as we discuss his time reporting for Monster Jam on Speed TV. So strap yourselves in. And mash that loud pedal. And get ready. Because it's time to jam. And welcome back to the weekly Monster Truck Podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Jackson, also known as Monster Jam Historian. You can follow my social media at Monster Jam Historian on Instagram and Monster Jam Historian on YouTube. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by the former Speed TV Monster Jam pit reporter, Matt Steele. Thank you for coming on. Man, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it since we organized this. It was a fun time of my life and I'm looking forward to talking about it. So I'm just going to jump straight into my questions, but before I do, sure. I'm going to say to the fans that uh, left comments on my Instagram post, thank you very much for leaving uh, me some very entertaining questions that I get to ask Matt and <laughs> leaving Matt some great questions for him to answer. But before we do, um, I'm just going to ask some of my questions. So my first question for you, Matt, is how did you get into reporting for Monster Jam? You know, it was interesting. I was living in Central Florida, and I was the DJ slash music programmer slash announcer for a big country nightclub that was based in Orlando. And we did truck events on Friday nights, and I announced bull riding on Saturday nights, like real bull riding and stuff. And my buddy that I did the truck events with, his name was Chuck, and he had a company in Orlando called Chuck's Trucks. And Chuck organized a lot of the dirt and the crush cars and everything for the big Monster Jam show that came to Orlando every year. And he helped out with Tampa, too. And he caught wind that they were looking to hire some announcers. And I was announcing the truck shows at the nightclub. So I just went in and auditioned for them, not thinking that it would ever pan out. But I've been a Monster Truck fan my entire life. I'd been to Monster Jam thousands, not thousands, obviously, but a bunch of times. And, you know, I, I, I auditioned, it went well, and they hired me. Well, that that kind of leads into a question that, actually, I'm going to ask now. So, did you have any interest in uh, Monster Trucks before working at Speed TV? And if so, how did that come about? You kind of talked about it just before, but if you could elaborate. Absolutely. I, I grew up down in South Florida, which is in the southeastern corner of the United States, and there were uh, we're going back to the old school monster truck days when you'd go to a sled pull competition and there might be one or two monster trucks there when i was you know i was a little kid and my dad would take me or my mom would take me and it wasn't like anything like the monster jam of today i mean there was you know there weren't even that many trucks and they would just kind of big heavy they'd crawl over the cars they'd stall half the time and it was you know by today's standards it was really slow but for me as a kid it was the greatest thing i'd ever seen and i loved it so i grew up loving monster trucks i had all the monster truck toys i went to monster jam in orlando and tampa as a fan so when i got the audition or the chance to audition rather i mean i knew about it i knew the drivers i knew all about it. So I, I kind of knew what I was talking about when I got in there. So that helped. So you, were, I guess you could say you were kind of like, a, you know, you're, you being a passionate fan about the sport kind of, I guess, motivated and helped you get that role. Absolutely. I think because I had, I had knowledge of monster trucks. If you were to call that, refer to them as a product, I had product knowledge I had passion. It wasn't hard for me to talk and sound like I was excited about it because I was. And I think that I think that made a big difference. You know, perhaps if somebody had just come in, I never set out to announce that. It just sort of happened and I was I feel very lucky that it did. I think maybe if if somebody was just doing that as a gig to announce and they were, you know, used to announcing other things, I don't know I'm sure it would have worked for them, but I don't know that they would have had the same passion that I had when I got started. You know, I was like a kid in a candy store. I just I, I couldn't believe I was doing it. 
So, um, this kind of is like the other one that I was going to ask. Did you have any prior reporting experience with other motorsports before joining Speed TV? And if so, what what was that doing? You know, I not pit reporting per se, and no television experience. But what I what I had been doing for years was. Uh, writing and voicing radio commercials for nightclubs and car dealerships and stuff. And I ran all the little, you know, the silly little nightclub games that people would do. I was, I had a, a lot of background hosting and emceeing and, uh, and announcing because we had started trucks gone wild too, which is, which is my company that I started with two other buddies of mine uh, right around that. Nah, we started trucks going out a little after that, but we were doing truck events and I was announcing all that stuff. So no television experience at all. And I never set out to be on TV, and that whole thing was totally out of the blue, totally unexpected. They just came to me one day because, see, Monster Jam was happening, and then when when they got the deal with Speed TV, it was like, hey, we're doing a TV show, and we want you to be on it. And I was like, that's awesome. I was like, what do you want me to do? And they said, basically, when you know, just – Interview the drivers before and after the race. If they crash, go check on them, make sure they're okay, and talk to them about it. I was like, no problem. I can do that. Um, well, kind of also leading into my next question, is there any standout competition or reporting moment that you fondly remember? Um, not, not to sound cliche or anything, but th- there, was, there was a lot. And I, I think that when... Man, for me, it was more about just seeing the reaction on people's faces and stuff. So I, I don't know that one thing jumps out more than another. It, it's that feeling when something happens at the event, and it could have been a truck doing something amazing. It could have been one of the drivers that just happened to say just the right thing at the right time, and it really just got the crowd crazy. There's when you can feel the adrenaline from a crowd of let's say 50,000 people and you're down there basically in the spotlight of it all. That's a feeling that is hard to replicate. I mean, it's exciting. You get the goosebumps and you know, it's awesome. So I, I don't know if I, it's hard to list one cause this was a while ago for me too. I, I can say with confidence that there were multiple, multiple times that happened. I wish I could remember one in particular, but <laughs> Well, may well if that question was hard, then I'm probably um, <laughs> doing you bad here by asking this one. In your personal opinion, I, I shouldn't say the best because it sounds like you have more than one. So I'm gonna modify it and say, in your personal opinion, what were the best interviews you conducted or pitched? things that you did oh well the interesting thing as the pit reporter and anybody that's doing interviews which you'll you'll know i mean you know because you do them is every now and then you'll get somebody that they understand it they get it they're going to talk in quick little sound bites they're going to say all the right things and they're not going to say um and uh and they're not you know but you would get drivers that you could tell They'd, they'd never really spoken in front of big crowds before, so you really had to kind of work with them. Guys like Dennis Anderson, guys like Tom Metz, even going back to guys like Gary Porter and some of those dudes, they were, they were used to it. They knew exactly what to do, they knew what to say, and they knew how to fire that crowd up. So that was cool. Now, I will say that one of my favorite interviews of all time was Lupe Sosa, because Lupe would drive El Toro Loco, and... What they they always booked Lupe down in like Miami, Florida, because there's you know there's a lot of Spanish people and a lot of people that speak Spanish down in Southern Florida, and I lived in Central Florida, so I would get that gig to announce all the time. So Lupe and I had a bit to where I would ask him a question and he would answer it in Spanish. I wouldn't have any idea what he just said, and I would just grab the mic back and I'd be like, "Yeah, what he said," and everybody just started laughing. Because it was obvious that I didn't know what he just said. He could have been saying, Matt Steele's an idiot, for all I know. But that was always fun, and Lupe and I had fun with that bit for probably seven or eight years. Wow, you know, I mean, Lupe was such a... Well, yeah, he was... He, he is a great driver. He doesn't drive nowadays, but back when he did drive, especially um, when he was driving El Toro Loco, it really was a... 
you know, a great driver. And I, I like the point that you bring up about how some people, they say the right things at the right time, you know, and you, you kind of write some, you know, I like having, it's kind of, I, I don't want to take the spotlight away from you, but I mean, I feel like the, the good part about podcasting with other people is like, I, you know, I know my opinions. I know what I feel about certain things or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, certain aspects of say monster trucks and whatever. And it's great to have other people on such as yourself to talk about, or, or in my, or in my case, enlighten me on things that I wouldn't know about. I've, 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 I'm a bit oblivious, you know, me living in Australia and you being in front of the action that, you know, you've witnessed for, or that I should say that you witnessed for a couple of years, you know, it's, it's great to hear this insight on things like that, you know, it's, you know, to some people, you know, they think, I don't know, for me, it's just great to hear you know, these, these stories, because it's just, it's entertaining to me, you know, I didn't, sure. I didn't know about the, <laughs> the Lupe thing that you just talked about, where he would speak in Spanish, and you would go, yeah, what he said, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and it's kind of cool, too, it's kind of like that, you know, you're kind of creating, like, a, I, I want to say, like, a character of yourself, you know, and it's, it's really interesting, too, because it kind of felt like you had, especially with that, where did you say it was? Miami? Yeah, that was down in Miami in South Florida. Yeah, you know, with that Miami crowd, I guess you could say you were kind of connecting with them in that sense. I mean, not exactly connecting with them the same oh. way that Lupe did, but you were still kind of connecting with them, you know, giving them, I don't know, the extra entertainment there by going, yeah, what he said. And it's really cool I... that... Sorry, I'll let you say what you had to say. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, you know, I always felt like... It was it. It was interesting because I had a different pit reporting style than anybody else. I had a different announcing style than anybody else. I wanted to inject as much humor in it as I could, but without ever making fun of anybody else or anything else. So if I had to do something to make fun of myself a little bit to make the people laugh, I had no problem doing it. And as I got to know the guys better over the years it was increasingly easier to do. Lupe and I could also do that bit in Houston, Texas. There was a lot of Spanish speaking uh, in that area as well. So you kind of, you know, you you probably couldn't do that bit in, uh, I don't know, in New England, the you know, the northeast part of the United States. So you kind of were limited geographically. So it made it more fun because you that wasn't a bit that you could do every single night. So you never got tired of it because you might only be able to do that one once or twice a year, you know? Yeah, and it's and you you bring up a good point too. You know, you didn't like not that you would not that you would oversaturate it. I mean, I'd be, it'd be pretty funny if you did it each and every week. But nonetheless, you know, it's it's good that you kind of like you, you knew. You, I guess you could say you kind of knew what the what you should and shouldn't do at certain times. And yeah. it's great that you in that in that sense, you know, you've, yeah, no, I, I know. Yeah. You don't want to, if something, if something works, you, you don't want to overdo it. Cause you want it to, you want it to work for a while, but it was fun. You could talk to Dennis Anderson about everything. You know, Dennis Anderson was known. I mean, when he would win at the end of the show and it passed on down to Ryan and Adam too. I mean, they're great at it. That whole family it's, Hey, we want to thank you fans for every tile on our roof every part in our engine, every tire on our truck, you know, they, there is a level of fan appreciation by those guys and by everybody in the business. I, I mean, I, everybody that I knew in the business, I, I don't know them all now, but there really is a, a sense of fan appreciation that is genuine. It's not an act. I mean, I, I've known Dennis now for, gosh, 25 years, and we've become good friends, and he truly is appreciative. It's not like he... It's not like he walks into the back later and goes, man, did you hear that? I fooled everybody. It's not like that. Every, everything that, that these guys are saying is is honest. Absolutely, you know, and it's you – bring, you bring up another great point, you know. There's – you know, it's – you know, some people tend to think that, you know, nowadays that these drivers or these driver athletes, they're not – you know, it's all part of an act when really it's genuine – um, 
you know, it's genuine passion, it's genuine care, it's genuine um, gratitude. And Dennis, you, you obviously bring up a great point. The icon is very uh, genuine about his gratitude and appreciation for what they've you know, built him because without, without the fans, he wouldn't, you know, no offense to Dennis, but without the fans, he kind of wouldn't be at where he's at now. You know? Oh, nobody, the industry as a whole would not be. Oh, and God, those yeah. individuals, you know, like myself who have had the pleasure of working in it, we, we wouldn't have had that. And so it's fun to, this is fun talking to you about it because I'm reminiscing about things. And, and, you know, my life has evolved into other things like as far as trucks gone wild, which is my company. And, uh, Truck U is a show on Velocity or uh, on Motor Trend TV is is the name now, and that just got renewed for the 17th season. And we did Dirty Mudder Truckers on Discovery Channel, which we're hoping to do some more episodes with that. And we paired up with the Diesel Brothers on a bunch of stuff. And you look back and you're like, man, we've gotten to do so many cool things that we're just. It's like you sit back and say, how was I so lucky to do this? Now, look worked hard, did a lot of traveling, sacrificed time from the family, sacrificed time away from friends and all that. But when you look back, you're like, man, okay, it's been pretty cool. And I, I, I can't relate on the stage of, uh, of you in terms of like traveling and getting to host, you know, TV shows and be a part of Monster Jam in terms of the pit reporting side of things. But in a, in a, I don't know, a smaller scale, I can kind of relate too, because you know, me growing up with Monster Jam, growing up with the sport, I guess growing up with listening to you and Scott Douglas and Ken Stout and, you know, Dennis Anderson and Tom Manson watching yeah. Monster Jam and all this stuff, you know. For me, it's surreal that I've been able to do this podcast for almost a year now. I mean, you know, at first it, well, no, I shouldn't say at first. It continues to be just a, a passion project, you know. I yeah. I do this because, well, I do it for a couple of reasons. I do it for my fans. They love enjoying this. You know, I've made so many friends out of doing this. And it's really cool for me to be able to talk to my idols and people that I've grown up with. I mean, if you had have talked to me, if you have, if you had have asked me, Jackson, what do you think you would be doing in a year now? I never would have said, well, on, what day is it for me? The 26th of... September 2020 that I would be sitting here at 6 8 6 28 in the morning <laughs> talking to Matt Steele who was a pit reporter for Monster Jam back in geez like 2005 almost like 15 years ago you know I yeah. never would have expected that yeah. never and it's so surreal that I'm able to sit here and talk to you and ask you stuff that you know that I would, I would genuinely like to know, like I base some, you know, I base my questions around like, you know, sometimes things that I'd like to hear more insight on. And sometimes I just ask it because I really don't know the answer. And I'm just curious Mm -hmm. to listen to what you have to say. You know, I didn't know if you had any prior experience to, you know, pit reporting or, um, I forget the other questions I asked or if you had any interest in monster trucks beforehand, I just, yeah. I asked that because I genuinely wanted to know, but yeah, you know, it's, it really, it really is surreal, I guess for both of us, albeit on different scales that we've been able to, you know, get, get to where we're at now. Yep. I agree. I agree. It's, it's funny when you mention, you know, Scott Douglas, Scott Douglas, uh, is the consummate professional in a room full of professionals. He's the professional and he and Joe Lowe, if you're familiar with Joe, he was the main live event announcer and Joe had a very Joe with him. Every second of the show was the most exciting thing you've ever seen. You know, he could get you standing up and stomping and all that. And that wasn't my style. Mine was more almost sarcastic kind of style. And Scott and Joe took me under their wing when I got hired and I could not have more respect for two guys in the, in the business and Joe Lowe sadly passed on a couple of years ago. Uh, Scott obviously still around doing a lot of things. I hope to catch up with him one of these days soon. And you mentioned Ken Stout. So Ken Stout, I remember taught me a lesson. We were leaving the hotel room together, heading to the stadium, wherever it was. I think it was in, I think it was in Detroit and we were heading in And there was like some people at the gate and you're supposed to check in with them when they drive, but the gate was open and 
Ken just rolled right through. And I was like, man, we're supposed to stop and check in. He's like, we're the announcers, brother. You drive in like they drive in like you own the place. He goes, they need us. They can come find us if they need to. It was so funny to me because I never thought like that at all. But Ken's like, they'll come get us if they need us. So I didn't even think about that until you mentioned Ken Stout's name. I hadn't seen I hadn't talked to him in a while. Absolutely. And it's great to see even like other people that have, you know, Scott hasn't, I wouldn't say he hasn't been around the business, but he hasn't been like uh, commentating at live events. He, he, I've seen a couple of people have noticed he's been popping up here and there at certain events, but he hasn't really been commentating, but he's still been around the sport. And now he started a, he started a, a live podcast that he does yeah. every week. I think there's actually one on very soon on Twitch and it's great because you know he sits down with drive and he just talks about stuff and it's great yeah. because he already has that connection with some of the drivers and he just talks about stuff and it's great honestly and yeah and and he knows his stuff man absolutely. and and again such a I remember look when when the show was on and especially if you're doing some live stuff and you've got producers in one earpiece, and you got live event guys in another earpiece, and you got camera guys counting you down, and all the pressure in the world is on you. And Scott Douglas, bless his heart, he'd have nine different things going on, and he it just looked like he was going crazy. And as soon as they called action, man, boom, right to the camera, delivered it, almost perfect every single time. And you would just watch him, you're like, that dude is good. And he really was. He absolutely was. And you, you, I know you were talking about the kind of the pressure that uh, he had, but um, I would like to ask, was there, uh, if you had any pressure, or specifically, was there any pressure uh, that, I guess, anyone, whether it be yourself or higher up, uh, put any pressure into reporting on the backstage things that the, happen behind the scenes? The interesting thing about the role that I had that I, I don't think anybody realized was that my job was basically to kind of help fill the time if that was needed. And the episode. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, and even at the live event to some extent, right. you know, and, and that was, that was a challenge because you had to do it for both. And uh, you would look back and you didn't know. It's like, am I going to be out there for 10 seconds or are they going to need me out there for two minutes? Now, obviously, on the TV show, they wouldn't need you out there for two or three minutes because they wouldn't keep you on for that long. But, you know, you get done with something and you would think that you're like, OK, I'm all out of questions. I really have nothing else to talk to this person about. I'm, I'm, my brain is fried. And they're like, they're like, Steel, we need like another 90 seconds. And you're like, oh, OK, whatever. And you would just come up with something. And, but it was fun because it kept you sharp. I like that pressure. Yeah, I like that's what I love about uh, the live entertainment stuff. You know, it, it could all just go horribly wrong at any second, and you just wing it and hope for the best. And typically, it all works out. And my final question for you, Matt, is what was the best behind the scenes moment or story fans might not be aware of? Um, well, w my favorite one is is one of the questions that one of your fans put on Instagram last night. So if I can just kind of bleed into that one, uh, it's one of my favorites. If you're good with that, Th that's totally fine. Well, well, that it's a good segue into the fan questions. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it works out. So alcoholic underscore beverage wanted to know, can you tell us more about the story when you had to announce at a monster jam show while the main announcer was using the loo? I, I yes, <laughs> made that a bit more so, g-rated <laughs> i i would love yeah I'll, I'll keep it clean i would love to answer the question posed by alcoholic underscore beverage <laughs> that's a great name so that was actually my audition as, as a live event announcer i went over to tampa there were back-to-back -back week shows i went over to tampa florida which is just west of orlando and i watched the show that joe Lowe announced from the floor and he said, just watch it tonight. Stay right there. He goes, and next week, I'll put you on the mic. Okay, no problem. I watch the show. I come home. The following Saturday, I'm at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And he's like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah. So he's, he gets through all the intros, and he gets the show up and going. And he introduces me. He's like, hey, my, 
my buddy Matt Steele is going to take over for a little bit. You know, please make him feel welcome. Well, we're in my hometown. Uh, we're in my hometown city. Uh, a fairly decent amount of people in the stands were familiar with what I had done from from the radio and nightclub stuff. So it was a nice, soft applause. I take over. I start I start talking for about a minute. And he looks at me. He goes, put that mic down. So I did. I, I put the mic. I think I muted it. I'm like, what's up? He goes, you're doing great. I'm going to go hit the restroom. I'm like, okay. He's like, I don't know when I'm coming back. I'm like, perfect. So meanwhile, he just walks away, left me out there. <laughs> 50, 60,000 people. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never announced one of these things before, but it was up to me to wing it. So I just start doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Like 10 minutes later, 15, I don't even know how, it felt like an hour, but it was probably more like, it was probably more than 10 minutes, 5, 10, whatever. I look and I see him and there was an exit down at the end of the floor that's not there anymore, but that's how you went back into the locker rooms and the restroom area and all that. And I look and he's just leaning in the doorway, just <laughs> hanging out. And I look at him and he smiles and gives me a big thumbs up. And I was like, well, okay, I'm assuming that everything's going okay. And then he casually walked back a couple minutes later, took the mic back shook my hand, looked me in the eyes and said, he's like, I knew you could do it. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. And for, gosh, however old I, I was, I was young. You know, I, I mean, I wasn't like 17, but I was in my, I was in my early 20s. And to have a guy who I'd been watching for years, one, be nice enough to let me cut in and audition with him, but two, to shake my hand, look me in the eyes and say, good job, kid, man. I get goosebumps now thinking about it. It's one of my, it probably not only monster jam related, but career related is probably one of my favorite stories because I could have just blown the whole thing right there. And luckily I didn't. And if I did, how different would my life be? You know? Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's great that you talk about that story. Cause when I, I mean, this is my, view of it and obviously it, it might you know you might see it differently but I guess in that sense kind of without that amazing story you know you or or that situation I should say you there could have been a chance that you know you know there would be no Matt Steele and Monster Jam correct you know? it, it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't be Matt Steele the pit reporter from the early 2000s on Speed TV it would it, you know it would just be Matt Steele you know and that's yeah. it's kind kind of bizarre that <clears throat> i mean the story's hilarious and it's 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 great too you know it's i i see th see this is what this is what i love because i didn't even know about this i didn't even know anything about this story and everything that you just said i've just I've just found so like it's enlightening and entertaining <laughs> and and great. That's well, thank you. <laughs> I I appreciate that. And you know, it's interesting, and it goes to life because I I have a son who's sixteen, and you know, I've got a a strange career that in my twenties, even into my thirties, it's like, man, what what am I doing? Where am I going? What am I doing with my life? And then. You know, you get you accomplish a few things and you look back and you're like, OK, it's everything's a lot clearer when you're looking back, because when you're looking forward, you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I in this situation? You know, what is what? Why am I working with this group? But then you look back 10 years later and you're like, OK, it all makes sense now. You know, and, and I look at that experience with Joe and I just remember it favorite. He was such a good friend of mine, and I was so I was so upset when he passed on. But everybody does, and I just I just have my fond memories of Joe Lowe, and that's that's what I take with me. Absolutely, sure. Um, we've kind of talked about this already, but I like Rocks underscore O three wants to know what was the best moment you had as an announcer. There, I used to. I used to make some some jokes every now and then that were contemporary about just different things in the news, just to see who was paying attention. And there was one there was one time where we were <laughs> there was a guy named John Sigismundi who was kind of in charge of the freestyle motocross. Mm -hmm. And you know things were different years ago. He and I could actually get underneath 
the big we could stand in the gap of freestyle motocross and kind of announce what was going on they would never let us do that today <laughs> you know it's like they would be like that's the most unsafe thing ever but you know there's a time when you could get away with certain things and you could say certain things that were that were topical in the news and I, I'm not going to go into it 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 wasn't bad it wasn't politically incorrect but it was a tad sarcastic and i just remember it was it was in the Citrus Bowl. That's where most of my stuff happened. And you're talking, you know, fifty, sixty thousand people. And it was like everybody caught the joke, and about seventy five percent of them thought it was I might have crossed the line. And they were just like, you hear you hear forty thousand people go ooh like that. <laughs> you're like you're like oh that was a good one. I got them, you know. So, and all I wanted was a reaction from the people, and I and I got it, you know. And I don't. It's, it's very similar to me. I don't know if you're familiar with, with professional wrestling. And some people, they love it. Some people hate it, whatever. It's, it's entertainment. And they're trying to, the wrestlers want nothing more than to get a reaction from the fans. The good guys want the good guy reaction. The bad guys want the bad guy reaction. And, and I, periodically, as the announcer, I thought it was funny to kind of get the sarcastic guy reaction. So that was probably one of my favorite times. Absolutely. And, and that's another great, excuse me that was another great story that i didn't you know i didn't know about and it's great to you know be to to hear it to be honest because i i think i think that's almost just as funny as the other one that you said um mt world media wants to know does it oh sorry did it ever feel like you never really left monster jam because you talk to superstars like dennis anderson still on occasion you know what's funny I'll I always feel like I'll have that with me because a lot of the guys that were were doing it when I was they've got kids in it now and I've watched their children grow up and I've known these kids since they were born and now to see them driving is crazy you know I've I've known Dennis's kids forever and it's weird cuz they're they're adults now you're like hey what it's like my own son you're like people will see him and my son was taller than half of those guys now. And they see him and they're like, Colton, we used to hold you in our arms and pass you around to everybody, you know? <laughs> and I remember times when Colton, my my ex-wife at the time, but my, or my ex-wife now, but my wife at the time, who we still get along great, we would be at Monster Jam and Colton was six months old. And you talk about all the drivers, they would just be passing around that little six-month-old baby, and he'd be going from Tom Mentz over to Medusa, over to Tony Farrell, back to Dennis Anderson, you know, and then uh, Jimmy and Don Creighton and whoever else. It was just I'm like, where's Colton at? And they're like, oh, we got him over here. It's a bond that lasts a lifetime. So I know I got long-winded, and I apologize, but no, I don't feel like I don't do it anymore, but I don't feel like I've left it and everything that I'm doing now career wise is all truck related too. And like on dirty motor truckers, we've, we had Dennis on the show, you know, and he put a team together with the diesel brothers. So we still worked in that capacity and at our, our trucks gone wild events that we throw all over the United States. It's nothing to see, uh, one of the, one of the drivers show up just out of the blue. He's like, man, I wanted to come hang out with you guys. So it's nice, man. Good friendships that still exist. And you you brought up a good point too because the the dirty mudder truckers thing if if I'm honest that's how you know because back in you know back in the my day when I used to well I I shouldn't say that because I'm not as old as I I'm not that old but um you know back when I was a kid and I used to watch Monster Jam you know I I knew about you and then obviously as I grew up you know watching the sport and you kind of went away I didn't you know I I hate to say it but I kind of forgot about you and then when I found out about this show that I saw people were posting on Instagram I was like hold up I was like this is really cool I want to watch this because at the time I had some interest in uh mega and mud trucks and then Mm -hmm. I found out about um, the Dirty Mudder Truckers, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a cool show. So I decided to watch it, and then I was like, oh, my God, that's Matt Steele. That's the dude who did the Monster Jam stuff. And that, yeah. was, really, that was really surreal to me because, I, you know, I thought, like, this man could be up to anything. And it's like, it's almost great to see him still in the motorsport scene. And then you brought up just before the, the episode where you had Dennis Anderson and you had... I think John Gordon was there as well in the Diesel Brothers team. And, yep. 
you know, it was it was great to see that, you know, I had kind of assumed what you had said, and it's great to kind of have have you back that up, that you so, still keep a good relationship with some of the drivers from Monster Jam and that still drive. So I'll, I'll tell you, this is interesting. You mentioned John Gordon. I've been friends with him. Um, he and, and his family have been coming to our Trucks Gone Wild events since they were very young. And I remember John Gordon competing in our events. They had a really, like, an outstanding mega mud truck back in the day. And I remember him competing in freestyle competitions at our Trucks Gone Wild events when he was 15 and 16 years old. Now, the other – so J.R. McNeil is out of uh, Central Florida. And, he, you know, he's the, the ice cream man and the what, – oh, man, what, oh, what, what were the other trucks? The, with the It looks like the alligator. Uh Exterminator uh, and Raising Cane. His, yeah, so Raising Cane was a tractor tire mud truck in Central Florida that used to do events at the nightclub that that we did our trucks on wild stuff where all that started. So we watched we watched Jr. come out of all this, and the other dude Corey Rummel is driving for Team Scream. He was the first guy to ever successfully pull off a backflip in a tractor tire mud truck or in a mega truck, and he did it at one of our events in Michigan a couple years ago. So there's all these different connections out there between the mud scene and the, the, the monster truck scene. And if you want to know another interesting story, so Dirty Mudder Truckers came because the production company saw our, like, our Trucks Gone Wild social media. But years and years ago when we started Trucks Gone Wild, we started it because we would go out wherever cities we were at doing Monster Jam Chuck and I would go out to the mud hole like the next day and look at all the big mud trucks if they were playing. You know, not every not every area had a mud hole, but some did, and we would go check them out. And so we started Trucks Gone Wild because we saw something popular in this. And we almost tried to give it to the company that owned Monster Jam at the time. We're like, here, you guys gotta do something with this. And they're like, they're like, yeah, they're like, we're not interested. We're in we're in the monster truck game, not the mud truck game. So that we're like, okay, well, if you guys aren't going to do it, we're going to do it. And that was about 17 years ago. And we're still doing Trucks Gone Wild now. It's bigger than ever. And it's so crazy how all this stuff uh, is not tied together, but it's all – there's links, you know? There's links everywhere. Absolutely. And and wow, I, you keep bringing up great, you know, great points and things that I, you know, I didn't know and how, you know, I, I, I never would have – thought up until you know now that i think about it it kind of makes a bit more sense but i never would have thought that you know obviously now i get it but mud trucks or or mega mud trucks excuse me and monster trucks kind of mesh so well together you know it's 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 crazy to be honest i mean even even now when i think about it that's how dennis got his start that's how dennis got you know without the the red and yellow um, grave digger, you, you know, mm-hmm. that truck, that mud truck that led into the blue and silver that led into the spooky paint job that we all know today. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Without that, no grave digger, no, no, n- not an amazing legacy that has, and, and also I didn't know about the, the, you know, you poss- or you possibly almost giving trucks wait was it trucks gone wild at that time well truck see what happened no we started trucks going wild and i think we had the concept and and i mean there wasn't really anything at the time to give but we were just like hey you guys might might look into this this so is a pretty more, cool thing it was more like a pitch per se yeah yeah and they they <clears throat> were not interested whatsoever and the, as a result of that because we knew it was cool, and I'm, I'm not – look, I'm not mad at them. I'm glad they didn't want to do it. In hindsight, that was the best thing that ever happened to me was they didn't want any part of it, <laughs> you know? Um, so we were like, well, look, if we're familiar with it, and if you're not going to do it, we are. And they're like, have at it. Good luck. It was all good by both parties, you know, and we were like, okay. And, and again, you know, thank goodness we did. So that's where when you said I disappeared from the Monster Jam thing, I got on – Ken Stout actually got me on a couple episodes of Lucas Oil on the Edge, which was another show that that he had done a lot on. I did a little bit of that, and then that sort of uh, got me an audition for for Truck U, which was on Speed Channel, and then Speed went away, and now now like I said, it's up on Motor Trend. So 
it's interesting how uh, 20 years I've done this TV stuff and I never ever set out to do it. That was never the goal. In fact, when I was young, I, di I didn't know what I was going to do. I just was halfway decent at talking in front of people. And a lot of times, uh, you know, people wouldn't show up for work and I would just do their job. And they're like, hey, we like you. Why don't you stay? So. And yeah, you've pretty much summed it up almost perfectly there. You know, you didn't know, you know, it's just, it, it's crazy how, you know, things that almost seem, I, I don't want to say meaningless, but like, you know, you know, like when you think, when you think of it at that time, you think that this isn't going to be big. This isn't going to, you know, this isn't going to lead into something bigger. And then you look back on it and like this one moment has led into so many different things and that's where I'm at today. And and you summed the, you summed it up pretty well. No, sorry. I mean <laughs> not pretty well. You summed it up perfectly just then. Um I'm going to ask uh this next question. This is from sure. Josh Tavares. He said, uh what was the most memorable moment from your Monster Jam tenure? Um probably finding out that I because I was a part of the first world finals in Vegas when it happened. And I, I don't know how many of those I did. I, I don't know, three or four or five world finals in Vegas before I, before I moved on. And so I think when, when that all happened, we were all like, holy crap, there's a world finals out in Vegas. This is, this is crazy. And it just got, because it had the name World Finals, because it was in Vegas, there was all this attention brought to it. So you had the first time there, and you've got a staff and crew of people. And I mentioned before with all the pressure on them, but you've got some of the best in the business are all there. But realistically, nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> you know, As good as you may be at running a show in Toledo, it's different running one in Las Vegas. And it's the world finals, and you got to do everything right. So I think that was a pretty memorable thing because it was a whirlwind. You're going, you're there the day before prepping. Then all day, you're just waiting for everything to happen. And at some point, you're like, it's going to happen. And whether it goes right or wrong, it's going to happen, and we're just going to roll with it. And it all went pretty well. And I remember sitting back at the end of the night, and we were all just kind of like sitting there like, holy crap, we did it. This was great. And then next thing you know, you know that that became uh, that became the the annual deal that is still going on. Uh, absolutely, and you know, I like seeing Monster Jam. I mean, the I, I don't know if you if you keep up with Monster Jam a lot. Not uh, maybe not as much as I do, but um, the previous year they moved the World Finals. It's on a rotational schedule, so occasionally they'll have it in different. Um, have it in different cities. So last year they mm -hmm. had it in Orlando and you know, I, I like monster jam in Vegas. Obviously I think every, I think every monster jam fan or yeah, every monster jam fan, every monster truck fan does. But to me, it was, it, it wasn't as special in the sense that, you know, because Vegas, you know, almost, I, I want to say 18, 18 or 19 years in the same year, yeah. creating so many memories I mean, yeah. even in the short time that you were there, you said almost maybe five years that you were there doing stuff or, or even just witnessing it. You know, that that to me, you know, I mean, me going back, I the reason why, honestly, the reason why I'm into Monster Jam, the reason why I keep up to date with it, the reason why I'm doing this podcast was because I grew up watching the world finals dvds you know in australia especially at that time when i was very very young i i don't know if we i don't think we had speed tv down here we had other stations and i'm not entirely sure if it, at that time we had a tv i'm sure we did but at that time i don't remember watching any episode from places like um phoenix or miami right. or, or orlando i grew up with vegas i grew up yeah. with vegas i could you know i grew up you know watching dennis anderson beat pablo huffaker at world finals five i i grew up watching lupe sosa jump over jimmy creed and i grew up you know i grew up with, I grew up with <laughs> yeah i grew up with 
the world finals. You know, I might not remember, I or I, you know, me nowadays, I go back and and watch some of the episodes that they have on Monster Jam's membership, um, and it's it's surreal because I haven't seen half this stuff. But you know, Vegas, Vegas to me is just a special place, and for others, I should say, it's a special place for Monster Jam. And it's and having the world finals in Orlando to some I think it put people off, but it it do, Orlando didn't have this is my personal opinion. I don't want to go on about this for too long, but Orlando it had a spe, you know it wasn't on the level of what Vegas had at world finals, but it being in Orlando it almost felt close to it, because it was, it was surreal, they had the elevated, I don't know if you've seen it, they had the elevated starting line, where the trucks start up, up the top, basically where the fans would be sitting, but they blocked all of that area off, and them racing down, that was, it's not the same as Thunder Alley, because Thunder Alley has been ingrained into my mind, and in my opinion, I like the elevated starting line, but nothing will be thunder alley in in my personal opinion and yeah but it's you know vegas is such a i don't know just the world finals is such a special place yeah i've talked so much about the world finals now i completely forgot what we were talking about before ah dude that's that's when that's when you know you're enjoying what you're talking about you know i think absolutely Uh, oh Oh, no 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 i'm good okay um, this one I, I find pretty interesting. So, uh, Monster Jam King 29 wanted to know, uh, favorite 2003 event to announce Phoenix or Miami. And he would also like to know, what can you tell us about those events? Wow, man. I, I am impressed. I'm impressed. Like if you were to ask me, did I announce both of those in 2003, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look. So, I'm going to assume based on that question that I did, and I do have memories of each place. I talked about the Miami memories a little bit with Lupe, and the the fact that we could have fun with each other, you know, with my lack of of Spanish language knowledge when we were down in Miami. My uh, the cool memory for me, uh, Phoenix. I'm assuming I I want to say the only time I was at Phoenix, it was Bank One Ballpark, if I'm not mistaken, and at the time. I hadn't done, I hadn't been to a lot of the stadiums where the roof opened up, and I, that was pretty fascinating. And then my best friend from high school had moved out there with his wife, and I remember, and they had, I don't know, I don't know how many people were in there. I mean, it was packed house, right? And I remember saying something, saying hello to my best friend and his wife, and he like stood up and yelled. And I could tell right where he was at. And it was the coolest thing. I'm like, that that was my best friend. His family were just like my family. And so I know it didn't have anything to do with the show, but it just has – it was something cool for me to make that – I'm like, there he is. That's my buddy. you know. And that was such a neat uh, thing. So maybe that's, that's probably not the answer anybody's looking for, and I apologize for that. But that's the, me- that's the first memory that, that sticks out in my mind about it, the retractable ceiling and yelling at my buddy in Phoenix. <laughs> And oh, and then we went to some restaurant, and I and I he introduced me to uh, to steak tartare, which I guess is raw steak. And uh, I'm not much of a raw food consumer. I, I prefer my steak cooked, but it was okay. And I, I think he especially wanted to know that because um, I, I don't I don't know too much about this, um, but apparently the well I shouldn't say apparently, but the first part or the no sorry the the last quarter of 2002 and the first quarter of 2003 with the exception of the world finals wasn't broadcasted on tv um really the apparently there's only footage th- there's only footage of you know the footage that they had there there's no like episode footage there's no right. full episodes and really we don't know what happened at those events so i think maybe he was and I don't blame you, you know, I mean, as you said earlier before, you know, you haven't been around, you, you, you haven't been, it's been a very long time since 2003, you probably wouldn't be yeah. able to just pluck that from your mind, but I think he wanted to know that, especially because, 
you know, us as Monster Jam fans, we never, you know, unless you were there, we wouldn't know what happened at those events. But I, I appreciate you giving a try. You know, you you at least yeah. attempted to answer it, and I think I think he'll appreciate that you that you at least gave it a try. Well, and, and my apologies again if I if I didn't get the answer anybody was looking for. But yeah, that was that was a while back, and then that was that was a crazy time in my life. We were doing shows every week for however many months. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't all year long or anything like that. But but then I would fly home and I'd have my my other jobs that I was doing, and then I'd fly back into another city. And there was there was a time there during the year where as a as an announcer or even the, the pit reporter on on camera or announcing to the house you were just like i hope i don't say the wrong city because i've watched everybody else do it you know they're like we're having a great time tonight in dallas you're like yeah we're not in dallas you know it's like and i've watched it happen to everybody it's like watching okay so one of my craziest memories of, of a, a pit reporter and i used to do this too we'd always bring in uh, somebody to sing the national anthem. You'd have the color guard and all this. And I remember the first time I watched a girl, she choked singing the national anthem. She forgot the words. I felt so bad for her, you know. And and I was sitting, I was way behind her, so I just started singing, just loud enough to where she could hear. And it and it kind of it it caught her back up on track, and she finished the anthem. And the beautiful thing was that the crowd was so sympathetic to her at the end. Nobody made fun of her, you know. Everybody was like, "Man, it's poor girl, whatever." So what I started doing from that point on, if I introduced the anthem singer, and even if I didn't, I would I would tell them earlier. I said, "I'm gonna be about 30 feet behind you, out of the spotlight, and I'm gonna be singing real soft." Because there's no pressure on me. So if you forget the words, I'll raise my volume up a little bit. You just listen. I said, and I'll, I'll get you back on track. And that was something that that I had so many people, they're like, they're like, thank you so much for doing that. And uh, and I just thought of that just now, which may mean nothing to anyone else, but it was a pretty cool thing. It's it's very <clears throat> enlightening, you know, that you, that you had that, n- not just like, care and passion for monster jam but even just helping people out you know that is a real it's especially nice thing that you know it's 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 surreal you know i mean that it's i don't know where to go from that um it's it's just interesting and this is stuff that i didn't you know i hadn't even really thought about this stuff in years and you look back and there's so many moving parts to it and it's funny because people people see the show or they remember the events, and they come in, or they turn on the TV, they watch it, they turn it off. And it's like with all of the stuff, good and bad, that has to happen behind the scenes to make it all happen, it's it's pretty interesting when you're in the middle of all that. Absolutely. Um, the Racing Genius. Now, this kind of falls into play with... Um, <laughs> <laughs> this it kind of falls into play with uh, something that I brought up earlier. So I apologize if you're not too into monster jam nowadays but do you think he wants uh, the racing genius wants to know do you think that nbcsn is a good network for monster jam i think honestly any network that puts monster jam on is good but but they've got to they've got to push it and that's what i see you know there's so many different tv channels and and i don't know uh, as far as as far as what channel everything's on right now but to have a good relationship between whatever the show is and the staff at the network that's the key to it all so well i mean one could one could say that any network's going to be good if they push it right you know absolutely were you going to finish some were you going to say something else or no i think sometimes sometimes you'll see a show and it'll be on a certain channel and people will say man i I wonder why that show is on that channel because I've said that too. But if it works, it works. And sometimes sometimes the things with the strangest relations actually work the best. Absolutely. Um, Jack.B underscore 17 wants to know. Now, you've all, we've also talked about this kind of a bit before, but he wanted to know what was it like working with Scott Douglas? You're, you're working with... One of the best guys in the business, and I just consummate professional, 
totally took me under his wing, could not have been more gracious. I came in there as, as a young kid. Nobody knew me. I had longer hair at the time and all this, that, the other. They're kind of like, who's this kid? But I was always very respectful. And I think they picked up on that early on. And I could go to Scott anytime and I could say, look, dude, what about this? What do you think I should do about this? Or somebody's asking me about that. He always took time to answer me. And that is why, to be honest, now at, at my age, if anybody's younger and asking me for advice, I feel like I, I need to help that person out the best that I can because guys like Scott Douglas and guys like Scott or uh, Joe Lowe did that for me when they didn't have to at all, but they did. So total respect for Scott Douglas. I would work with him in a second. And finally, one of my favorite questions, and uh, um, it's from my good friend Max, uh, but his Instagram name is that enchilada guy. Who was your favorite driver to interview in your career as a pit reporter? Well, I I can't narrow it down to one, but obviously Lupe Sosa was great. Yep. Uh, Medusa was fun because she would take the microphone out of your hand, and you just never knew if you were going to get the microphone back, you know? <laughs> And finally, they would say, don't let her take the microphone out of your head. I'm like, she's a strong woman. If she wants to get the microphone out of my hand, she's going to. So that was always fun because she was like a – and I don't this – is a, this is a total compliment. She was like a loose cannon. You just didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, Dennis was always a blast. Tom Mentz w- was always fun. Uh, let me – you know, but I'm trying to – I'm trying to think of some of the ones – even uh, Balhan when he kind of – when they started the Mohawk Warrior gimmick, you know, that was fun. And then one of the most fun and uncomfortable things was when you had Chad Fortune and they were running the NWO trucks back in the day. Oh my and God. so Chad, with his wrestling background, and Chad's whatever, six and a half feet tall and big. You know, I haven't seen Chad in a couple of years, but I mean, Chad was a big, jacked up dude, like the nicest guy. Ever. Chad is such a nice dude. And and they're like, Chad, you gotta go out there and you gotta be this mean bad guy thing, you know? And and I don't I don't know that he was comfortable initially. He grew into it for sure. But that was always fun at first because I was a wrestling fan. I was familiar with Chad Fortune. I knew all about the NWO. I I knew what they were trying to do with the whole monster truck thing and all. And none of us knew if it was gonna work or if it was gonna be any good. But that was one of those things where it's like, hey, we, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So that was another favorite thing of mine in Atlanta at the, the Georgia Dome when the, the lights would go down and the NWO truck would come out. And then here come Chad walking out of the corner. It's like, whoa, the fans are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. <laughs> it was fun, man. Was, so those are some of my favorites. And it was a great gimmick to go and, wa- and watch back on just because I felt, you know, I, I, again, me growing up with – monster jam in vegas and me not really paying attention to you know me as a young child now but me not really paying attention to the side segments you know i I grew up with seeing chad fortune as like you would like like you just said a nice caring you know great guy that's also a great driver and then when i went back you know when i hopped onto youtube and started watching episodes of monster jam and I saw the ones with NWO. I was like, "What am I like this? Yeah. Like this doesn't feel like Chad Fortune at all. Like it looks like him, but like, okay." Man, he he really, in my opinion, uh, when when he broke through the ice and really channeled like his inner being in that was was in the Superman truck, and he would go out there and run that thing and stand on top and do the pose, and the crowd would go nuts because he looked like Superman. You know, yeah. And Chad was—he was probably—he was probably more handsome than Superman, and he was bigger than Superman. So he was actually—he was actually better than Superman. <laughs> oh, that was fun. And, and yeah, and you know, you bring up great points about you know other drivers too. I mean, you brought up a good point about Medusa and how she was, as as you put it, a in in a respectful way, obviously a loose cannon. You know, I mean, she, yeah, she and that's kind of what it's about, you know, you don't, I, I don't want to say anything bad about drivers, you know, because obviously no. that's, that's that's not my goal, but, you know, you want someone that's entertaining or, or knows their stuff, you know, you have 
guys like Dennis Anderson, obviously, he's all over that stuff, you know, you know, he, he can, like what you said earlier, he says the right thing at the right time, you know, he'll say, you know, like, oh, he's broken a a tire off, or Dennis, how are you going to go fix that, are you going to come out for freestyle, and he'll say exactly what he's, what he's thinking of, he's going to say the thing that, that you want to hear, the thing that everyone else wants to hear, you know, he updates everyone, kind of like what you said, and, or otherwise, you'll have someone like, Medusa that will you know oh the you, you know they want to hype up the fans a bit more oh Medusa will steal the mic and say something and then you'll never get it back you know yeah. that that thing that's that's great because it it's very you know it adds to the I guess well first off it adds to the episodes if it's broadcasted on TV you know it adds entertainment to the live show if you're there and also adds entertainment to the episode and it really it's just and it sounds like and you you talked about it with Lupe it sounds like you really had that connection with those drivers that you interviewed and especially because then you were able to grab the things from them that yes you needed you you're right and you know I've always thought this with those of us traveling down the road together, doing kind of similar shows, weekly, nightly, whatever, I always have had the mindset that if we could keep ourselves entertained, there was a fair amount of people who would be entertained by that. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Remember, if you want to follow my social media, it's at Stone on Instagram and Stone on YouTube. You can also follow the official podcast instagram page at the weekly empty podcast on instagram and for more places to listen to the podcast on check out the anchor spotify radio public and google podcast pages before we end off today's episode matt is there anything that you would like to shout out or plug before we close off today's episode oh just uh let me let me pull up the let me pull up my my instagram there and see because i i think i'm on uh I think I'm on all day stealing on Instagram, right? So, so yeah. So the words all day and then stealing, S T E E L E N. That's my Instagram. Um, the the story behind the name on that is just one of my buddies jokingly said, "I was like, man, what are you doing today?" He goes, "I'm just chilling out, Matt Stealing." And so we that kind of stuck. So all day stealing because people are like I don't understand the name, but that's the Instagram. Uh, official trucks gone wild is on Instagram. Trucks gone wild on Facebook. You know all that. And, and that's about the only stuff that I would plug on now. And I would just say to you guys, anybody listening, if you love this stuff, monster trucks or anything else, don't be afraid to give it a shot and get in there and see if you can make it work. Just follow your passion, whatever it is. It could be baking cakes, you know, because you can always go back to normal jobs anytime. But give it a shot, roll the dice, and see what's going to happen with your life. Because honestly, if you work hard enough and you treat everybody good and you show up on time, you'd be surprised at how well things can work out. That's my closing thought. <laughs> and it's a great closing thought. And I want to thank you, Matt, once again for coming on for this great episode. And of course, thank you, the listeners, uh, so much for listening to this episode. So. Uh, Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and have a fantastic week. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye.